Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Geisner for the Obligations of Memory Podcast Network for the Jewish Culture and Holocaust Remembrance Group on Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify. I am happy to introduce uh, Jenna Sark and her family. I want to tell you a little bit about Jenna, and then Jenna will introduce her cousins. So Jenna is an award-winning author and playwright. Her columns for the Jewish, uh, for uh, TC Jew Folk, which is in Minneapolis, um, were the basis for her crooked lines and frequently went viral at, at cities around the country. Jenna is also the author of two middle grade books, The Beat on Ruby Street and Fool's Errand, released by Dragon Moon. So welcome, Jenna. Thank you for uh, participating in our Obligations in Memory podcast. And why don't you introduce the Finks? Thank you, Jeffrey, and thank you for inviting me today. I am, I have two family members, two very special family members with me, Dina and Brian Fine. Dina is my cousin, uh, my mom's brother's daughter, and Brian is her husband. And I'm very happy that they agreed to be part of today. I am too. So, so um, I'm going to ask the first question is maybe you can give us and the audience a little bit about Crooked Lines and what, why that book was written, what was its purpose, what was its goal, did you achieve its goal? Well, Crooked Lines has a subheading, A Single Mom's Jewish Journey, and it was brought about um, because I found myself a reluctant single mom very suddenly um, some years back and decided uh, that um, I needed a more positive way of looking at, at things and life. And I started uh, out joining, rejoining another synagogue. Um, I was married at the time to a cantor, had to leave that synagogue, joined another and started a journey looking through the lens of Jewish holidays and rituals. And then um, started, started looking at how I could raise my own son Jewishly without being part of a clergy family. And after that, uh, actually, there came a point where I remarried someone who was of a different faith. I had to navigate that Jewishly and figure that out and then uh, had to say goodbye to my mom and dad. And so I kept thinking about this. And when an, a local magazine asked me to write something Jewish, I thought, this is what I need to write. So I started writing columns and my book was born of that journey. You know, it's interesting, and I think we talked about this, but I spent uh, from 2005 to 2019 in Minneapolis, and so I'm so well aware of Jews yes. uh Jew folk. I get it. I get the newsletter every week. So <sighs> it's so uh, it, now I have a connection to look for your articles. Are you still writing for them? I do. I did a podcast recently on September 5th that is part of Who the Folk. I have been writing new columns and sometimes reprinting old columns. That's nice. And, and where are you living? You don't, don't you know, just the, the neighborhood in Minneapolis? Um, 
I'm across the river. So right oh, across in, the river from you're Minneapolis. In, you're in St. And, Paul. Huh? Yeah. And you do cross the river to go to Minneapolis. I do. You know, you need a passport <laughs> to do that. I know. I have mine. So I know. And so, Dina, I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell a little bit about um, yourself, what, you know, what, how your career, if you had one, you know, a little bit about you. And I'll go to, um, also, I'll go um, to Brian. And Dina is an incredible artist. I just want to throw that out there. Well, well, I always um, painted um, from the time I was very young. So that's something that, you know, is part of, of me. Um, Judaism has always been very important to me. Um, you know, as far as this particular topic goes, my parents um, never really uh, said anything. They never, they never talked about um, any family, other family members who might have been involved in the Holocaust. They were here, they were, you know, my father was born in Europe, but was brought here when he was very young, um, between one and four. Um, and, uh, and my mother was born in this country. So, you know, they never really talked about it. I got most of what I understood as a young girl from um, the books that I read. And it's an interesting story. They didn't talk much about things, but they left books around the house that I thought they thought I would read, which I did. Mm. But it was it was quite, um, I, I just realized that, you know, I was thinking about it when I was reading these questions over that you sent, Jenna. And um, I just realized that that's what they did. And it was probably deliberate. I, I never really thought about it before. Um, and how about, why don't you say a little bit about your background, Brian, and, and follow up on what um, Dina has said about what her parents have said or didn't say about the Holocaust. Yeah, uh, I grew up in a, in a very Jewish household. Uh, my father worked for the Jewish press for many years. He wrote a column called, uh, speaking of memories, it was called I Remember When, and it was actually published into a book. Uh, but more importantly, uh, you know, it was, it was really part of the fabric of my growing up. Uh, I attended synagogue at the Hebrew school, and I enjoyed it. I, I, I really got a lot out of that. And uh, my father being a, a writer, he was also the editor of the Jewish press. And so he did a lot of, um, a lot of articles on the Holocaust. So I actually have a, a uh, pulp collection in the basement of uh, Holocaust books, uh, which I know they're probably not available anywhere. I, I, have, it's, I, I really am holding on to this. I have to do something important with it because otherwise these things are gonna decompose. But uh, so, and I do know that my mother had family that, she used to say that you know during the war they were sending letters and then they stopped sending letters. So that that was the understanding that they probably uh, taken away. So um, yeah, so I I kind of like the the um, the Jewish aspect of life and I stayed with it. Uh, I spent the year in Israel. I worked on educational television there, um, and uh, yeah and. <laughs> Now, I actually am a member of uh, four different synagogue organizations and became the president of uh, one of them. 
so I think I have a uh, need a 12 step program for serial <laughs> synagogue joining addiction. Right? <laughs> and where where are you both located so our audience can can kind of we're on, uh, we're on Long Island, North Belmore, Nassau okay. County. All right, terrific. And then I'll go to you, Jenna, with the same question. When did your when or if or perhaps not did your parents um, mention to you what's the earliest memory that you know of an inquiry around the Holocaust? The earliest memory I had, they did not talk about it when I was a child. Um, although I, you know, my dad was overseas during World War II um, and was in the Philippines. I think at the time, maybe they were sending Jewish people to Asia instead of Europe. I don't know. That's what I heard. He talks about, you know, um, experience. he showed pictures during the war. Um, I know he was proud that he could serve. The first moment that I heard about the Shoah, I was in Jewish day school, I was seven. And my teacher, I think we were, the children, we were all misbehaving, you know, during class. And we had English teachers and Hebrew teachers. She was our Hebrew teacher. She had a strong accent. And she started talking about, she said, now I'm gonna tell you the story of my life. And she started talking about these camps and being Jewish and being captured by the Nazis. And suddenly the class, which was full of chittering children became silent. And we were listening to this horror story about she and her sisters eating grass because that was all there was and marking them with the tattoos and losing her parents and she was crying. Do you know which camp she, they were talking about? No. Okay. I mean, I was seven and I, okay. I my memory is good about some things and not <laughs> right. so much about others, but I, I never forgot it. I mean, it was just astonishing. And so I went home and then I, I talked to my parents about it. And I remember saying, my teacher said this happened. And my mom said, yes, it happened. And we don't talk about it much, but it was a terrible thing. She, my dad came home late. He was so, a lot of times I was in bed when he came home. But I think, I think they carried, I think all Jewish people, whether our experience is direct or not, we carry this, we carry this trauma. It's been passed down. I think my my parents had a lifelong fear of people that weren't Jewish. And I know when I married and I talked about my in-laws, my dad mentioned something like that. We don't know them and I'm scared of, of these people. And it broke my heart, you know. And this was your second marriage, right? Yes. Okay. So you started, you, you tickled us with a little bit about your father and, and working in the war. So why don't you have, a, I think you have much more to say in that topic. So uh, I'll help you, but I'm not a historian by any means on the show, but there had there were many Jews, maybe 20,000 Jews who got um, forged passports or an identity papers by Sukahara from Japan, who 
and also uh, Jan Schwartendijk from the Netherlands, who was actually a uh, semi-politician who was working in Germany, and they got these transfer passes to uh, passage to Shanghai. And there are a number of really good movies, and I'm a big Holocaust movie buff um, uh, because I want I like my like you, my parents were unlike you. My parents were survivors, both of them. Uh, and they never spoke to us at all. It was mm. uh, my father was from Berlin. My mother was from Czechoslovakia. In 1944, the whole family was deported to Auschwitz, and three sisters survived. And her father, she lost her mother and her baby sister on the first day uh, from gas. So my mother absolutely refused to to discuss it. So part of my and when I lost my parents. Uh, and then it was a COVID project, really. I decided that I was going to figure out, if I could, what my parents' journeys were. Um, so part of that was this research that I'm sharing with you. So tell us a little about your father and his uh, Philippine uh, war, war uh, experiences that you know of. Well, he left in 1942. He married my mother. My parents were a lot older than me. Uh, they were in their 40s when I was born. He, he got, they got married in December of 1942. Then he went to basic training. He shipped out um, and went to the Philippines. Um, and he, he didn't talk much, he became a sergeant. And I also heard that that was like, the most you could do as a Jewish person? I don't know in terms of advancement. He didn't say that, other people did. But, and it, there are pictures of him with a little monkey. He had a little monkey and drinking a Coke. It was just funny pictures of him. Um, and also I need to apologize. I have a new kitten. She's running up and down. I hope she's not yeah, making not a sorry. terrible amount of noise. Yeah. I have a dog, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but um, the thing that he talks most about was um, in 1945. And he was about to be sent into uh, a part of the country, into Japan, where he would certainly not the likelihood of him surviving was extremely small. And the lieutenant took him in and said to him, you know, I need to know your next of kin, you know, and if you don't make it and what you want, you know, for them or to go to them. And it was my mom and, and he said they were told to prepare uh, for, death. Um, and right about then, the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. And then Nagasaki, and then the war ended, and he got to go home. Huh. I actually wrote, I'm a playwright, as well as a, an author, and um, wrote a, a scene that one day I, I would like to become a play that was done at the St. Paul History Theater. Um, but he said that he had a lifelong, you know, ambivalence because 
Here he was, his life was saved, um, but it was saved through a bomb that killed a lot of innocent people. And understanding what the Shoah meant to Jewish people, which of course he did, it was, you know, it was just the last thing, just most horrible dilemma to wow. live, to live through that. So can, um, I ask you, can I ask you about the scene of this play? Since you are a playwright, is there a way for you to quickly give a synopsis of this play that you have in your mind? Yes. Um, well, it was done there. It was part of a series on World War II. The way, what I wrote, um, I imagine myself as his daughter, how do I talk about this to people? And there was an anniversary of Hiroshima at a museum in New York. It was beautiful and they had floating chrysanthemums and, and a party. I was, I think, in New York at the time. I didn't want to go. I wanted to go, but I didn't want to go and I didn't go. But I, I wrote about this woman who was working at this museum and she worked for her boss and she had a speech to give. And she started talking about her dad and what had happened. And her boss is getting really crazy mad at her, trying to signal her to stop, you know, and she keeps talking. And then I went from that into World War II. And I had two men, the Lieutenant and the Sergeant, modeled on my dad talking to him about, you know, his will and, you know, who he wanted things to go to and, and, you know, that he might die and they were going in and telling him all this. I just created that scene as a play. And then, you know, I left it before they went anywhere. I didn't finish the, I just wrote that opening scene and then the woman at the museum with her boss getting really mad at her. Huh. And it was kind of a two-way scene, a juxtaposition. The, um, so kind of we'll switch a little gear here and we'll ask all of you, um, just give us some memories going back to your grandparents and or your parents that are Jewish that um, or any kind of memory that you want to bring forward. Um, they could be happy memories. They could be sad memories. Uh, they could be trauma memories. It's, it's there's no uh, off the off off limits here. So go ahead. We'll start with you, uh, Jenna, and memories of your grandparents. We'll start there, and then we'll ask. Um, and sadly, you. I didn't know my grandparents. So whatever I tell you uh, is my imagination. Although they were figuring very strongly in my life. Um, on my paternal side, my father's father, and I write about this in my book, um, he grew up, he was growing up in Russia, um, in Latvia, and he was about to be drafted into the army, and apparently the Tsar's army at that time um, kept Jewish people for 25 years or, or so, fighting in the Red Army. And... Um, he apparently had a brother and they went to safe houses and they escaped. And he came, they came here um, 
What is sad, and I only heard this recently, is they sent his brother back, my grandfather. There was some reason he didn't get to stay. My grandfather's name was Joseph, Joseph Zark, and we looked it up. And um, he came here with barely any money in his pocket, the old fashioned immigrant story. He met my grandmother who was here. Um, she was Esther Kaplan. She had red hair, long red hair. Uh, she loved Charlie Chaplin. And um, and you say here she was where? In Minneapolis? In New York. In New York. In New York. Okay. Um, I didn't come to Minneapolis until my first marriage. Okay. Um, and St. Paul. Okay. Right, mm -hmm. right. But, um, but it was an extraordinary story to me that he escaped the czar and was able to come here. He was a klezmer musician. Um, the stories about him are that he was paid with whiskey. So unfortunately, that led him toward alcoholism. Uh, he was a very fine mu musician. I think he played the clarinet. I have pictures of them both, very handsome couple. Um, my mother's family, I know my grandmother was supposed to be really smart, incredible baker. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side, Louis, uh, was, I think, a foreman in Russia, in, in um, mid middle of Russia, Mezhbuzh or something like that. And he rode a white horse, my mother told me. Um, her dad died, my grandfather died when she was 12. It broke her heart. She said she had to go to work very early and she lost her childhood. She would cry when she spoke of this. She worked during World War II as a Ford lady in a factory um, and before World War II and my parents met on the phone and my dad liked the sound of her voice and he asked to meet. And uh, when they met, he said he fell in love with her immediately. She was so beautiful, that, that's what he told me. Um, so the, the stories that I have about my grandparents are extremely precious to me because I didn't get to meet them. Okay, so let me ask Dina the same question and then I'll go to you, Brian. Um, as, as Jenna said, I never knew my grandparents. Um, Okay, so uh, on the other hand, I knew both sets of my grandparents, and um, I have very fond memories of, of both, and I, I have many stories about um, both sides. My, my mother's parents were uh, from Austria, but they spoke Polish and Yiddish, and I, you know, growing up, I just thought, well, I guess people from Austria spoke Polish, but that was, you know, the borders used to change a lot, so, but they, they were married in 1917 on the Lower East Side. And uh, my grandfather um, uh, was a member of the Bonus Army, and we found letters of him trying to get uh, compensated for that money he had been drafted. What is, what is the Bonus? Bonus Army was um, what it was. It was uh, people who were drafted were promised uh, by the federal government a bonus for serving in the army, and it would be paid at a date in the future. And the government uh, decided that they were going to. Uh, 
pay this way in the future. And during the depression, uh, a lot of these men, they needed money. So they went to Washington and uh, they tried to, you know, raise some consciousness uh, amongst the uh, politicians so that they should get paid. And it was a very, it's, it's kind of a sordid part of American history of how they treated uh, members of the Bonus Army. So I have letters of that. Uh, my, uh, my grandmother was also very, uh, uh, very, very nice lady. Um, you know, and they, they were good. He, my, that grandfather passed away first in 1958, I believe. On my father's side, uh, his, his father came from Russia. He immigrated at some age, uh, 12, 14, unknown. Nobody kept records of birthdays, so he doesn't really know. He got to pick his own birthday when he, when he was born. And uh, my grandmother was born on the Lower East Side, but always spoke with an Eastern European accent. So this was my world. And, um, and again, the army intervened. My grandfather paid a lawyer. He, he was working uh, in, in the garment industry and he made a lot of money uh, and he paid a lawyer thousands of dollars to keep him out of the army. And finally, uh, the lawyer told him, listen, the only way you're gonna stay, keep you out, of, you, know, you can stay out of the army, not get drafted is if you get married. So he grabbed his girlfriend and on a, Saturday, on a Friday afternoon, he says, come on, we're gonna get married. Unfortunately, the telegram telling him to report to services arrived that morning. Oh. So he got married Friday afternoon and on Sunday they came and took him to jail, you know, cause he was now AWOL cause he didn't report to service. He ended up being drafted. He was sent to France. He was in the first wave of, of, um, of um, uh, gas. What was that called? Uh, mustard gas. And he was MIA for a year. He was actually reported uh, dead, and uh, but he was in a hospital somewhere. He came. He, he did survive. He he came out of it. He came back to the states, and um, he had a lot, severe vision problems as a result. Uh, he created a very very big business. Of course, it, uh, it was the Minerva Coat Company. It was named after his first daughter, and then uh, the depression took that away, and they struggled, and uh, they were broke, but they weren't poor. Uh, grow, grow, growing up in the Bronx. Uh, this was, um, you know, all of the fodder for my father's stories in his book, I Remember When. And again, this is not about, sorry, Jenna, it's not about his book, but he did document all of these stories about what it was like growing up. And, um, and my grandmother, she was also kind of like the, um, she ran the show. Uh, we, used to have, we used to go up to the Catskills every summer and she spent uh, every day in the kitchen cooking for the whole family. Uh, and this is how she, you know, she, she loved that, you know, taking care of family. This is very important. So, uh, but again, probably relatives did pass away in the Holocaust. Again, it was never talked about. Um, so we'll so. switch out, we'll switch to parents now. So Jenna, you'll tee it up by saying, you know, the memories of your parents. Um, and uh, we are going to take that step at a time. So we'll say what we'll go to the very early on as to what you know about your parents uh, and their histories? Um, well, my mother talked a lot about her mom. Uh, and so Dina, you might, you know, it might be helpful too because it was the same mom for Dina's dad. Um, yeah, but he never talked about it. He never- Yeah, that's never, so funny. Your dad was, was very quiet. I have to- talk about my Vina's dad for a moment because every year we would go to Seder at their home 
and her dad Irving would leave the whole seder and he you know and it was a long seder for children for young children and my cousin Johnny was closer to my age would always say we can't be excused until my dad has had his coffee you know and it was you know it was um he seemed to me to be a very stern guy maybe Dina will tell us differently but he I think he was. He wasn't terribly affectionate growing up. <laughs> and he had, he had his ways. So it was unfortunate that he didn't know his, his grandchildren. He died. He was six yeah. when he died. Um, so that's not old. And of course, Idalise, I had a, a sister who has since passed away. Um, children were born just before he passed away. Um, he had sold his, he was a CPA and he sold his, his business and my parents bought a condo in North Miami. And that's where he died. He died um, right after moving there. It was within weeks. Wow. Just passed away, it was very sudden. And your, and your parents, Jenna? Um, so my parents, um, were, we lived in, uh, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. We lived mostly some in Fort Lee and, and some later in Englewood, New Jersey. My father, when he came back from the war, my mother, I don't know how she did this. She saved an exorbitant sum while she was working as a four lady in New York. And, and what she is a, what is $10,000. What is a floor lady? A four lady, like a foreman, but a four lady is okay. what she would call it. You know, <laughs> in charge of all the um, work that was going on as, as manager. So she saved this money, which then was a great deal. Um, and she asked my father about going into business. She thought that was the way to make money. And they opened an appliance store of the Royal Mart when, Where? when uh, Where? it was in Jersey City. And um, I remember going there as a child and there was a bakery down the block that had the most incredible cookies I've ever had. I'll never have cookies like that again. And um, he worked with his brother, Harry, um, for, uh, for many years. And then there were two other men that I knew that were not Jewish, but they helped him. I don't know why they were all connected, but they really, he must have paid them to work at, at certain times of the year, like Christmas was very busy. Um, and um, my mom worked with him until I guess she got pregnant with me and then she stopped. Um, and um, they, I just remember the store was very much at the center of my dad's life. He came home late. She had dinner ready. It was a very traditional marriage in some ways, although my mom was larger than life. She was the kind of character you write about as a playwright, and I have. Uh, she was, you know, very, uh, you didn't forget her when you met her. 
So give us some characteristics that are larger than life. So I'm sorry, you asking me. Yes, I'm saying when you say they were, she was larger than life. What are the, you know, the sound bites that you can immediately hear? Her laugh was loud. She would burst into song easily. She would sing the whole song, not just a part of the song. If she got mad at you, you knew it, and you ran and hid. <laughs> and and um, she had very strong, passionate beliefs. Uh, she was, her friends said to me, she was the best friend ever. Um, you know, she would really stick up for you and be loyal to you. Um, she, her jewelry was large. It wasn't like, you know, where you would wear a little, like I wear small earrings and little pendants, big, large pieces and, um, she had her dresses made. She, she was more overweight. Um, and she, she made sure they were very brightly colored. Um, were you scared of your so, mother or did you look or, or how, what were your feelings towards your mother? I think, you know, and she was also great at helping me with schoolwork. Uh, there were days where I adored her and there were days when I just didn't want to talk to her ever again. Um, and, um, and, and I think, I, you know, in, in adolescence, we had a hard time. Together. And if I can ask Dina, what did, how would you classify um, Jenna's mother? <laughs> her, her look was very unusual. Um, she, um, and she wore very elaborate clothes and um, there was another sister, um, which I think was the, the middle sister, right? Ida was um, in the middle. They, were, they had a sister. Um, yes, yeah, my middle. mom had uh, a middle sister. I guess Dina's dad was the oldest. My mom was the youngest. And Ida was very interesting. She was to me, a very glamorous aunt. Auntie. Married a furrier. She yeah. was married to a furrier. And I didn't really know her. She died. She had a very rare illness. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, they, she would come over, the, she and her husband would come over the house every once in a while. But then I think he passed away and um, she became ill after that. And, um, so, she, you know, I remember visiting her in the hospital, which was quite traumatic. You know, she was not well at all. She, she had sores all over her body. Um, she had a disease, a rare disease called pemphigus uh, that certainly, I don't know if it's curable now, but it wasn't then. And um, my sister and I adored her. There were many times she stayed with us. And then if she got too sick, she'd had to go back to the hospital. And I remember having, she learned, you know, or she got to the point where she had to go to the hospital again after many times and she cried mm -hmm. and we felt so badly. Um, it was very, it was very sad. I mean, if I talk about it a lot, I think I will cry because I, really did adore her. 
as well. She was, you know, and she was very glamorous before the illness. Um, I want you to take a breath. I don't want you to cry. So we'll go over to uh, Brian and ask you about your parents, early, early memories of your parents. Ah, early memories of my parents. <laughs> my father and my mother, they loved children. They had, uh, as my father referred to us, three monsters. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I would have to say that we were the source and inspiration of a lot of his stories uh, about uh, what it's like to grow up. He used to write about growing up in the Depression and, uh, you know, the old neighborhood. And, uh, he was, you know, uh, <laughs> you could really, really tell a story. And um, he would, as my mother used to say, he would embellish the truth. And my father said, why spoil a good story with the truth? You know, it's, uh, so. Um, so let me ask you a question. Did he tell you uh, bedtime, bedtime stories? No. You know why? Because he used to work two jobs. As a writer, he was also working in public relations. He did a lot of things in his life. He became a teach, school teacher. And the Jewish press and, and uh, newspaper work was always the second job. That was always the nighttime job. So uh, he, my father was always working. There was never a time that I remember that he wasn't doing, I mean, he, used, he, he could take a vacation, but it had to be with the family. They never, they didn't start to go away on their own until like, you know, well, well into their sixties and, you know, they went on cruises, but, you know, we were always went on a vacation together as a family. But my father, like I said, he was a, a workaholic, um, and uh, very disciplined person, really uh, greatest generation person, you know, he, uh, <clears throat> so I told you the story about how my, my grandfather tried to get out of the army and my father, uh, when he was uh, eligible to be drafted was 4F because he had a deviated septum. And my, my grandmother was very happy because, you know, he's not gonna go to the army. So what does my father do? He goes and gets it fixed, <laughs> 1A. And he joins. So um, I think uh, that was like the first time. Well, I shouldn't say the first time, but one of the occasions that my, my grandmother wanted to kill him. But he, he got in after the war and uh, he got shipped off to Italy. And he used to tell me stories about how, how, how rough it was in the army. But then years later, you know, we were going through pictures. I see, oh, here he's skiing in the Italian Alps. And, you know, here he's writing articles, uh, fine lines. He was writing for the army newspaper and he did an army radio show. So he, he really was, um, you know, moving in the directions of writing. Um, he got out of the army, he came back. Oh, I'm sorry, he had joined, oh, this is another good story. He had joined the Navy uh, and he was like testing airplanes before they, uh, uh, then the war ended. So he was discharged. And so then the army sent him uh, enlistment papers and uh, he, uh, he sent them his, his Navy record and they said, uh, sorry, uh, that cuts no ice with us. You're coming with us. So, uh, so that's, that's another funny army story. Anyway, um, so let, after, me, let, me, let sorry, me stop you there, Brian. We've reached our first 30 minute um, session. So we, I'm Jeffrey Geisner for the Obligations of Memory Podcast Network. We're speaking to uh, Jenna Sark, as well as the uh, Fink family, uh, her, her cousin, uh, about- Fine, yes. Fine, I'm sorry. Uh, about uh, memories 
of their parents. And so we'll be right back with episode number two. Stay tuned.